Proverbs 14, if you would, just a little introduction about Jesus Christ that many of us, um, many of us love the man that we read about in the Bible, but <clears throat> just by way of a very small introduction about the character of the man and the, the way he went about things. He was, um, <clears throat> he was born in a man- manger because he was, um, there was no room in the inn. So from day zero, he was, he was rejected um, and put sort of behind second place. He walked with people and he talked with people. Um, he was given up uh, to, to the cross one day and, and walked a brutal walk to the cross. Um, <clears throat> throughout his whole life, from beginning to end, which was the 33 years, Jesus showed himself to, for us when we read about Christ's actions and his reactions and the way he went about things, we see Jesus as perfect. But another part about Jesus Christ, when you read him in the four Gospels, is that, he, yes, he was perfect, but he was incredibly real and relatable. Um, and one thing that we work out about ourselves uh, pretty quickly in life, and uh, we're probably reminded of it f- fairly frequently, is we're not perfect. We've got a few imperfections along the way. I just wanted to look at a couple of things to do with Jesus and the perfection um, that he had. But if I could just nail it in one thing that is probably more relatable for us and to us is that uh, choose realness over perfection. And if that needed to be the title of the talk, realness over perfection, um, and that can stand us steadfast for uh, a good amount of time in life. Proverbs chapter 14. <clears throat> so in the theme of realness over perfection, just a little thought here. In verse 4 it says, Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Just in this little verse here is this little pillar of wisdom. If you want strength, if you want to grow something, if you want it to get bigger and better and stronger, expect a little bit of mess along the way. If you want the perfect church where nothing ever goes wrong, the perfect life where all your eggs and ducks are in a row and there's never an issue in the world, then be ready to settle for the fairly uneventful life. The Bible talks a little bit about wisdom in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, it it suggests that there is no perfect time to go and sow your seeds, much to what Pastor Chris was talking about today. There is no perfect time. This is in the very book, the heartbeat of wisdom, Ecclesiastes. It's saying don't choose your perfect time. If you're going to wait till your perfect time, you will never sow your seeds. You will never grow and things will never go greater and stronger in your life. It just says, go do. It says, go do because you do not know what the result of that will be, whether you will harvest from it or whether you will not. And expect to throw your seed out and for a little bit of mess to get along the way. And may there always be a little bit of mess within the church. I'm not trying to promote mess and mistakes. It's obviously not where I'm coming from. But may there always be a little bit of mess um, around the place, but may there always be a growth in our strength and a character as the body of Christ as we move together and as we move and grow within ourselves that we don't hold back, that we're ready to put ourselves forward and we will always know that realness will always triumph over perfection. We can try and, we can try and spend our whole lives 
trying to be good boys and good girls because someone has told us that it looks like we've got the Holy Spirit. Or we can go, you know what, God has given us a real sign of speaking in tongues. And just I'll just quickly digress. That testimony was reminding me, I did a, a world trip with a couple of <clears throat> Nick Hoffman and uh, another guy and in 06. And um, we went around and saw Thomas and Shelley um, and swam in a frozen lake with Thomas, which was regretful. But uh, um, in my time in Europe, there was a number of, and I'll only briefly digress here, but there was a number of um, uh, priests that I saw around the place. We, we went to different places and they were just wandering around the place. Um, there was one on the train. I was, what, where I was coming from is I've sat in here for many years and I've listened to people talk about how they've come out of different systems and there was, there was no true powerful God. And I heard those stories and I wanted to, I mean, I was a bit younger, I just wanted to line up some conversations and ask them, how do I get to heaven? The first guy was on the train and he wanted to pelt me. And I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. I, I, I did just ask him. I went and sat with him on the train. There wasn't too many people on the train. It was, uh, it was in the dark. It was in the night time. And I said, how, how do I go to heaven? Well, I asked him that. And he responded a fairly um, loose answer, whatever it was. And I just tried to persist with the conversation, and it looked like he wanted to hit me. Anyway, I did this nine times over in the end, just giving up. But there was a slight digression. But where I'm getting at is that the Lord has given us, you know, fewer, um, many are called it, but fewer chosen. It was brought out earlier today. We might be a small group in the whole scheme of things, but what the Lord has given us, it's pretty mighty and it's pretty powerful. And um, we're going to walk along in life and we're going to hold what has happened to us pretty tight because it's pretty strong. But there's going to be things along the way that are going to remind us that we're real people. Even though we've got God on our side, we're real people and we need to contend with ourselves. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 a small thought with the word perfect here. First Corinthians 13 is uh, it's a bit of a pinnacle chapter. It talks about charity or love and um, just what the best approach is there. And I remember Brad giving a talk of a number of weeks ago, Brad Noble, and he just brought out the point, no matter what the problem is, the answer will always be God's love. And the answer to God's love is found in this chapter. Just a few quick verses Starting in verse 8, Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I was in trade school, and um, <clears throat> there was a fellow named Jason, and um, I we got... Um, talking, really nice guy. Um, we got talking and found out that he believed in uh, in God and stuff. And we we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit. And Jason's contention to me and stuff, and it got funny after a while. We were, it's, you wouldn't do it now. Just, yeah, you probably wouldn't do this. But we were writing letters to each other, scriptural letters. And one week at trade school, he'd give me his, and the next week I'd give me, um, I'd give him his. Um, I'd give him mine. But his contention was is that when that which is perfect 
is come. Um, he was trying to, the, the word perfect uh, in the Bible means complete. And so when we read this, and it talks about things that will cease and that tongues will cease, well, when we read com- the word perfect, it means complete. And when Jesus Christ comes to complete the whole gospel message, then those things will be done away with. But I was just talking with Cartini just before, and I was just being reminded about, and she's going to give a testimony next Sunday, but the day that she was filled with the Holy Spirit was in a house, in a lounge room at Old Ranella, and Mark and I were in there. It was a Monday afternoon, I think. And Cartini, we were just, Mark had knocked on her door, and Cartini, um, we were going through a few scriptures about salvation and the, the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues with her. And then she went and got her Indonesian Bible and brought it back. And we read one little verse in this book, in 1 Corinthians 14, the next chapter. And all of a sudden, all these things which hadn't seemed um, to make sense in the churches she'd been at before, it just suddenly made sense just in this moment. I could see it in her eyes. It just lit up. We prayed. We prayed for a couple of minutes again. And then the third time we prayed, Cartini spoke. In, in this loud, audible, strong um, tongue that, that was not English, it wasn't Indonesian, it was speaking in tongues. And it was this miracle. And as we're trying to say goodbye to her out on the street at Old Renella, she's shouting, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, in the middle of the street, as loud as she could. For now, before Jesus Christ is come and completes what it says in here, for now that is a miracle that we will stand strong and believe in. For stories like that, all the people said, but when that which is perfect comes, when he makes it complete, then that's when it will be done away from. And that's when this whole world and this whole story and this whole scenario will change for us. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 23. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him and as he was teaching... And this is Jesus, and said, By what authority do you, uh, dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, will he not say, Unto us, why did uh, why did you not believe them? But if we save men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. So he set them up into a little corner here. But then goes on just with this little parable. And he says, And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what you think... A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He said, uh, sorry, he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them, them twain did the will of his father, they said unto him, The first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the heartlets go into the kingdom of God before you. <clears throat> I just wanted to talk about attitude 
There's a, there's a little phrase that I've heard, um, and it says, attitude is everything. I, just my little thought, I personally think um, it's, it's almost everything, but it's not. Because we are all, all of us, are going to have stinky attitudes sometimes. All of us. Um, we're going to have off days, off moments, um, off years, I don't know. We're going to be off the ball sometimes. In Matthew 21, he just gives this little picture of these two guys that are asked, and one says, yeah, 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 I'm a, I'm a good little boy, I'll go do it, and does nothing, does diddly squat. The other one has a stinking attitude, doesn't he? But yet, what does he do in his heart? He gets his attitude right and turns the situation around. And Jesus contends and he says, which one do you think did the right thing? And it's, and, and it's because actions will always speak louder than words. And we, I guess in, in stories like this, and do you know what, in Matthew 5 it talks about, blessed are they that are mourning for they shall be comforted. Um, blessed are they that are weak for whatever it says. <laughs> we will always, it doesn't say all these things in Matthew 5 if it wasn't for the, sh- the severe fact that we have to deal with our own emotions. It doesn't give this little parable in Matthew 21 except for the fact that sometimes, just like this son had a bit of a stinky attitude, we're all going to have stinky attitudes. But it's just important what we do with it. And and we can make out that we're little Christian prefect perfect people and not walk the walk. Or we can go, you know what, I'm real and sometimes I'm off the boil, but that's all right. I know when to turn around, I know how to turn around, and I know who to turn around to, and that's my master, the Lord. And I can forget about everyone else's opinions and thoughts, and I can get myself back on track. And I I just think it's such a great story about the relatability of just being a real person that is going through this life. We haven't done this before. We're going through it. There's aspects that we're making up, but we believe in a Father that is strong for us. And um, and I, again, Sophie's testimony. I just love that I've, and I've loved this for many years. I'm involved in an assembly that isn't about. It's not about trying to act religious. You know, Christ paid out. He didn't pay them out for the sake of paying them out. He he paid them out to bring them down back to reality. That's why he did it. The ones that broader your phylacteries, you love to be heard in the streets for your long prayers and your long speeches and all that sort of thing. The guys that thought they were eating and be in the religious world, they're just trying to be important. And Christ brought them back. But he, he goes, do you know what? I say unto you, truly I say unto you, that the publicans, the tax guys, and the harlots, the one, yeah, the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. The ones that you wouldn't think are greatly religious or next to God, but they're real and they're humble. And, and one thing I love about our assembly is that we're happy to be real with each other. Amen. Let's, um, wind down. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter one. Uh, Matt and Stevie plus a few others ran a great, <clears throat> a great camp a little while ago 
young and restless camp. Maybe not everyone's aware of it, but just for um, parents with young children, there was a couple of sessions in there where people sat <clears throat> in groups um, and just discussed a few different topics. Um, I was involved in a group, and where the theme of the conversations were going was um, it, it ended up being some of the ladies, like the mums, that were really swapping notes um, about parenting, um, but an aspect that was coming out of all that was that um, they, f they felt uncertain that they were living up to um, where they should be, that they're not doing things right, which is a fair enough feeling. Um, my, I just look at the story of Abraham and Isaac. When, when God tested Abraham and he took him up with his son and he laid down like, like they would have offered a sheep in those days or a ram, he offered up his own son, Isaac, and he had the sword out and he was ready to sacrifice his own son. It's, it's a story that um, I don't think we want to be awfully relatable to that story, but we can see the significance in it. Um, and the Lord, the Lord stops the sacrifice from happening, um, and Abraham and Isaac walk away. Everyone's alive, everyone's happy, and Abraham has passed this amazing test. But I cannot imagine to think about the psychological issues that Isaac would have suffered walking away from that day. <laughs> that his own father was ready to place him on a table and had the sword up and was ready to do what needed to be done to show his faithfulness, his love, his servitude to God. The things that would have rolled through Isaac's mind would have been incredible. Um, it, it, it's a wonder that you read on about Isaac's story and rather than Isaac rocking back and forth in the corner from the issues that he had in his childhood of when his dad went to go slay him, he's, he's married a girl named Rebecca when he's 40. Um, she's barren. He prays with faithfulness. and She bears two children. Um, there's a famine in the land and, and he takes his family out and, and he does it with faithfulness and he becomes this sort of prosperous farmer. Like his story, as much as he, he may not have such a, a highlighted name in his father, you can see through Isaac's story that he has carried the trophy not of hurt or, um, or, or of, or of issues from his what his dad almost did, but you can see the lesson that he took away from his dad was one of faithfulness, and that is what he carried through his story. And I just wanted to bring out maybe just a couple of verses here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank God, Paul to Timothy, whom I serve from my forefathers and pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul is talking to Timothy, I will always remember you. I'm, I'm older, you're a young man, but you mean a lot to me. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. <clears throat> when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. These are sort of regarded as the pastoral dictorials. It, it, it 
teaches someone how to go about different things within the church. It's a letter to a young man and it can be an inspiring couple of books for a young man, sort of late teens or early 20s, um, just to concentrate on what they could make of their life. But in here is just a little thought, just thinking about those group sessions we had at that Young and Restless camp, uh, just a little thought about a lady named Eunice. Her, f- <clears throat> her husband or Timothy's father had a faith that wasn't, it wasn't in the same faith. It was, it was disjointed in the Old Testament ways. Uh, and as it appears in, in studies, he wasn't, he hadn't received the Holy Spirit, um, as it sort of got bestowed in the book of Acts. He was, he was leading a different sort of religious life. So Timothy, as this young man, had two characters, important and pivotal characters that really cared about his welfare. Three, maybe. Paul off up here to the side that would be in touch with him every now and again. But his grandmother, um, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. And I, d- I just think the importance that this verse just brings out here with his mother, Eunice, is that she, Eunice would have been driving Timothy to young people's every, every Saturday night. She would have been um, getting him involved in the house meetings midweek. Um, she would have been, she wouldn't have been really driving him to young people's, by the way. But she, she would have been looking after him as much as she could. Her, her circumstances weren't perfect. I guess that's what I'm really trying to bring out. Her circumstances weren't really perfect. She didn't have the perfect little family there. Um, of her husband sitting with her and then both raising the child in the Lord. But what she did is she made, she made what she could of it. It's, it's quite a, it, it's a challenging thing sometimes to realize what's, it's a challenging thing to go, okay, I can't control this thing, that thing, this thing, but I can take control as best as I can with this thing. Um, and she, she would have taken ownership as much as she could to bring this young man up in the ways of the Lord. And I'd love to know what the result of this young man, Timothy, was about his future. But all that we can do is go, do you know what? It looks like Paul has recognized two pivotal characters within this woman's, within this young man's story is, is his grandmother, but also his mother who could have been desiring for her circumstances to be more perfect, for her spouse to be there and to be raising the child, her child, Timothy, but it wasn't like that. And sometimes our circumstances aren't always what they... They're not always what we want them to be. We probably want them to be a little bit different sometimes. But I just wonder sometimes whether the Lord's encouraging us to just take control of what we can and do it with our absolute might, because you never know, you never know the outcome that could come from it. And I'd, again, that's why I'd love to see the outcome that Timothy had of these inputs of Paul and his mum and his grandmother. Um, I had one more. Let's finish there. All the people said, Amen. Amen.